Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Friday's edition of the programme, last one of the week, another week after flying by. John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and you can text uh, 0862-103-103. Still having technical issues with our WhatsApps. So please only, if you want to get through just by text, just use the traditional text message service uh, until further notice. Um, okay, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be finding out what happened at this. It seemed to be some kind of a house party in the city and our thoughts and prayers are with some family who are absolutely devastated today uh, because we now know that a young 20 year old believed to be a student died as a result of this incident that happened at from what we can gather it was some kind of a house party on the Bandon Road we'll speak with our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran in a couple of minutes just to get the very latest on uh, this now I know the name of the young boy was out earlier on social media. I think it's been taken down since. And I'm very conscious and aware that because all of this is, you know, only happened in the last number of hours, there are still obviously family members who don't know and they're probably trying to contact people and they could have family members living overseas. So people need to be so careful, even though they've the best of intentions when they're putting up condolences and and sharing posts online but people just need to be very careful and just think of the family at what is a very very sensitive and devastating time for them so our our thoughts and prayers with the family of that young boy we'll we'll talk about that case as I say in a, a couple of minutes now we're also going to return to the issue that dominated the programme yesterday and this is to do with concerns over Bantry General Hospital and their concerns that have been raised by local GPs, they've been raised by staff at the hospital, they've been raised by people involved with the ambulance service and we had a lot of people yesterday outpouring of support for Bantry Hospital on the programme with texts and calls and emails in from people saying that they can't in any way the HSC make any decision that's going to affect Bantry Hospital and we of course had been using the word and talking about the downgrading of Bantry Hospital and then just before the close of the programme we got a statement in from the HSC saying that they had no intentions of downgrading the hospital and it was quite a worthy uh, a wordy statement that they issued us with and you know, no intentions at all and you know that 
basically rubbishing really what we had been saying. Uh, and then when I went through the statement in more detail, as you have to do with any of these things, you have to kind of go through it with a fine tooth comb. I mean, they talk about investment in the hospital and investment in any of our hospitals is always welcomed. And then they talk about things like they say in the press statement, both units continue to operate seven days a week. But it stops there. It doesn't say seven days a week, 24 hours a a day. At the moment, if there's a 999 emergency and a doctor sees fit or the ambulance crew see fit to bring that patient into Bantry General Hospital, they can do it. If Bantry General Hospital gets moved to this, what's called a Model 2 hospital, the 999 ambulances will drive past Bantry Hospital and they'll head up to CUH. And as you know, as many people yesterday uh, quoted what's going on up at CUH and that's not in any way negative about Cork University Hospital but they are already stretched to capacity they are already at bursting point they don't need to take ambulances that could be dealt with at Bantry General Hospital they do not need to be taking the patients from those ambulances as well uh, on the programme this morning I did a pre-record before I came on air this morning with a, with one of the doctors who attended a meeting that was held last night in Bantry and it was a meeting of all of the GPs from the area kind of all of the stakeholders really from the area attended and there was members of the ambulance service there as well and the main lead from the HSE he's a gentleman by the name of Dr Power he came down from Dublin he seems to be the main person heading up this suggestion that Bantry Hospital goes to a Model 2 hospital so he came down and he listened to the concerns of the GP and hopefully he's gone away and that today he's reflecting on what he heard yesterday so we're speaking with one of the doctors who attended the meeting who really puts forward what happened at the meeting last night and it's uh, Dr Vinenka who is a GP at the Marino Medical Centre in Bantry and uh, Gita that doctor spoke to us before we came on air and we'll play out her interview uh, in this hour on the programme and then also I've received a press statement from the Health Minister Simon Harris who's welcoming the statement that I got from the HSE yesterday clarifying no plans to downgrade Bantry General Hospital and again if you kind of look and pick at the Minister's statement again he talks about you know investment that's been made and it's fantastic that's been investment made in Bantry Hospital but you know and he talks about that there will be no plans that would see capacity reduced at a time when the health service is clearly under pressure but he then doesn't give any guarantees that it's going to remain as is 24-7 and what worries me is the final line from the Minister of Health's statement saying Slaunter Care is our overarching health policy this is the important bit it supersedes any existing proposals and any reconfiguration from now on will take place under Sloan to Care. And to me, what he's hitting at there is Bantry Hospital, because of its geographical, its rural location as a hospital, it's always been given special status in any other reports or reconfiguration that's happened in the past. Is Minister Simon Harris now saying that under Sloan to Care, that's the overarching health policy. So any other report that says Bantry has this special status because of its rural location, well, that's you can forget about that because we now have Salonta Care, so I kind of worry about that. So what we've decided to do today is try to make it very simple for the HSE because we asked the question yesterday with the downgrading and then they came back with their big worthy statement. So we've now put in two very simple questions to them. We've asked, are there any plans by the HSE to move Bantry General Hospital to a Model 2 hospital. See see what I did there? It was very clever. Didn't use the word downgrading. Just said, any plans 
to move Bantry General Hospital to a Model 2 hospital. By the way, if there's anybody from the HSE listening, we just want a yes, no answer to that. And then the second question, can the HSE guarantee 24-7 anaesthetic cover? Because that means that ambulance will be able to stop and that GPs will be able to direct people in there if they can guarantee us 24-7 anaesthetic cover. We are awaiting a reply. What made me laugh, and I, I really shouldn't be laughing, John Paul yesterday, when when we asked John Paul to get onto the HSE to see was there any downgrading of the hospital, he got onto the HSE's press office and they said, oh, sorry, we don't deal with that because it's the South Southwestern Hospital Group. They have a private PR company. You'll have to get onto them. John Paul said, Grant. So off he went and he sent off the email to this private PR company who then came back with that very worthy statement. So this morning when we came in and we were in the office and we were saying, OK, let's make it easy. Let's try and get yes, no. Let's put questions down. Yes, no. Let's see if we can get further update from the HSE. So we said we'd go straight to the private PR company because that's what we were sent yesterday. You won't believe this. They came back and said, no, they can't answer that. It's up to the HSE. So now John Paul is on to the HSE press office to try and get an answer. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we will have an answer before the close of the programme. We've also put out a call to the Jim Daly, the junior minister at the Department of Health, coincidentally, to see if he'll join us on the programme. We did ask him yesterday, but he was busy. I think he was at meetings or whatever. So we've put out a call because I saw him tweeting yesterday saying using what the HSE had said that there was absolutely no clarifying there would be no downgrading of Bantry General Hospital so I'd be interested to talk with Jim as to how he feels and has he heard anything about Bantry General Hospital moving to a Model 2 hospital and what would that mean for the area so we've we've got a call in to Jim as well this morning. Now other issues that we're going to um, address today Um, We're going to look at this research study by UCC. This is looking at sexual well-being in older people and the it's a young psychology student is joining us who's doing the research study but she needs volunteers she needs to talk to people obviously it'll be in a completely uh, anonymous setting it's kind of a difficult thing isn't it it's one of those things we don't like I think we're I think we're probably we're not as conservative, I think, as we once were, but we don't really like to openly talk about sex. And certainly as people age, I mean, nobody wants to think, for example, that their parents are having sex. But the reality is that in older age, if you know couples are lucky enough to live long and healthy lives, of course they're having sex. They might be having it as often as they were having it when they were younger. But there is a thing called sexual well-being and they need to look after their sexual well-being. So that's what this study is all, is all about. So we'll speak with the psychology student on the programme today. Also, fingers crossed, we're hoping to catch up with Noreen Kinsler to get an update on little Tommy to see how his operation went on uh, Wednesday. And, and also there's a campaign to help people register to vote for the general election. We're encouraging people to make sure you're on the register of electors. And if you're not, uh, you have a very short window in which to get on if you want to vote and we encourage everybody to vote in the election on Saturday, February the 8th and it's Friday so we'll talk movies with Mark Malone and as always we welcome your thoughts and comments throughout the morning. Gardaí say a post-mortem will take place today on the body of a 20-year-old man who died as a result of a stabbing incident in Cork City last night. Our senior news reporter uh, Fiona Corcoran joins me. Uh, Good morning to you Fiona. (coughs) 
Good morning, Patricia. Um, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, this is an absolutely shocking case and I'm very aware and very conscious of family members who are listening to us because obviously this young man's name uh, is... I, I saw some social media, but it has since been taken down. People need to be very careful, Fiona, about sharing, even if it's just sympathies and people are well-intentioned. Yes. They need to be very careful, don't they, about what they share online. That's it, because, you know, as you said, um, a lot of people have been posting on social media this guy's, this young man's name and his photograph, but he hasn't been officially identified yet to us by the Gardaí. And a lot of the time that's because a lot of the family members or some family members haven't been informed yet. And I don't think for any family they want to find out this news, either through social media or on the radio. And I think... You know, people need to wait. And it's one of the, the downsides of social media, I think, Patricia, as well, that, you know, uh, years ago, you could just wait and, t- and the radio or the newspaper might um, confirm the, the person's um, identity. But now it's posted all over social media so quickly um, with photographs, shares. And I think and I, a lot of people do, do it and they don't have any malice. But um, and they are, as you said, just trying to express sympathy with the family. But... Um, I think people need to be sensitive with this, with this and any. Yeah, any you could because you can have loved ones. Injury. You can have loved ones living overseas that they might mm. have difficulty contacting because of time zones and trying to get through to people. And the last thing you want is for a family member to discover a loved one has died because they see it on a Facebook post. That's right. And in such tragic circumstances, I mean, this young man—he was a twenty-year-old student at CIT. He was from West Cork. And he was at a house party here on the Bandon Road in Cork City last night. And uh, at around 20 past 10, we understand that a group of men tried to gain access to the house. Now, um, I've been hearing different reports of various ages of these people, but um, they tried to gain access to the house and they were refused entry and they somehow managed to force their way in. And while this happened, um, one of the members of that group stabbed this young man in the neck and he was rushed to Cork University Hospital with a very serious injury and he was later pronounced dead in hospital. Now, um, emergency services were called to the scene and the Gardaí immediately sealed off the area and I'm here at the scene on Bandon Road and the road is currently closed. It's closed from the junction where Jackie Lennox's uh, pub is down as far as the next junction so it's that section of the road that's closed and um, the house is one of the houses that's beside the post office there it's kind of I suppose halfway on on Bandon Road and the scene is sealed off um, there will be a guard technical examination carried out here this morning a post-mortem examination will also be carried out on the young man's body at the UH and Gardaí haven't formally launched a murder investigation yet they are waiting for the results of that post-mortem but we expect them to formally launch a murder investigation sometime this afternoon and they have issued a statement to the media there this morning and they have set up uh, an incident room at Toker Garda Station. They're appealing for anyone who has information with regards to what happened last night to contact them and they're particularly interested in talking to anyone who was in this area between 8pm and 10pm last night and they also want to talk to any motorists who may have been driving along this area and who have dash cam footage because they're trying to identify the people who um, 
made their way to this party and they're hoping that any kind of footage that they may have of people who were in the area might lead them to to that. Uh, they're also gathering CCTV footage from around here. Now, there are a lot of businesses here, so they're hoping that some of the CCTV footage may help with that inquiry as well. And they're also conducting door-to-door inquiries. Now, they would have taken witness statements as well last night. But any information at all that people have, no matter how big or small it is, um, they are asked to contact Toker Garda Station. Now, I've been here this morning, Patricia, since about half past eight, and there's a lot of people here who are coming and going. You know, we've had students who are going to college, people going to work, people starting their day here, and everybody is just so shocked and sad. Um, you know, I spoke to some students here who said that, you know, it, it kind of puts the fear of God into them because, you know, if you can't have a party at a, a student house without the fear of something like this happening, it's um, it's a sad situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, this isn't the second time that we've had a scene like this here on the Bandon Road in recent months. Um, there was another man fatally stabbed on the Bandon Road back in September, Paul Jones. And um, so this for this community who have said to me here this morning that, you know, everybody here is very... It's a close-knit community. The students have mixed in with the, the public and there's never a huge amount of trouble. Now, there would be, you know, the odd bit of antisocial behaviour with drinking and whatever else, but things like this are not normal to see here. And they've had to see this now for twice in the, in, the, in less than six months. So it's kind of shaken people a lot here now. Um, yeah, it's just, it's dreadful. It's dreadful. And, and once again, we extend our deepest, deepest sympathies uh, to the family and also to that young lad's friends who are obviously going through a really, really difficult time. And I know one of the uh, family members uh, have contacted us to say, just to remember the friends of this uh, young lad and uh, for us to uh, call out contact numbers for support. Obviously, the Samaritans are available 24-7 at one one six one two three one one six one two three and Pieta House is available at one eight hundred two four seven two four seven one eight hundred two four seven two four seven and of course there's student counselling available at UCC O two one four nine zero three five six five. All right, uh, Fiona, listen. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks thank for joining you. us on the program. Uh, good morning to you. That is our senior news reporter, Fiona Corkin from the scene of that awful tragedy on the Bandon Road in Cork City. May that uh, young 20-year-old student, may he rest in peace. Cork Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Egg foil and mock quid then and here is far lane. Shot eight thrower C103 air kirkig. Hong Glerha in Aklam Moy Chroma. Shan Krishi Sabigan Irish Times Air. Nagrifsha Kusu Lishna Florida Everglades. Achgan and Hrogel. Awen Aimid and Hiel Holesh. Agas Kaller. Kishkwil irid ek sulh down their hagan shakigan virula. Agas naplan li rosnam. Hashulod fele. Shehil meder aun. Agas is counter e in the will all of the nodurha den gietsko le feshkint. And here the relic will air ur. Nukta, quid denaniha is fari gorkig C103.
Yesterday we had a huge reaction to the news that doctors in West Cork were concerned about possible HSE plans to change Bantry General Hospital to a Model 2 hospital similar to that in Roscommon. To find out more uh, and how a meeting last night went, I'm joined by Dr Gita Wynanki, who is with the Marina Medical Centre in Bantry. Good morning to you, Gita, and you're welcome to the programme. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, it's, thank it's you. Vienica. It trolls everybody. Oh. It's, it's Gita Wienica. It's Wienica. <laughs> Vinica, yes. That's, that's, you know, good West Cock name. Okay, it is indeed, it is indeed. Now, I suppose, let's start at the beginning. Who attended last night's meeting? No, can I, before we actually start, actually congratulate on your, on your programme from yesterday. I actually thought you did a fantastic job. You were very well informed. And, you know, to see the fantastic level of support and appreciation for Bantry Hospital is... You know, that's what we all needed to hear. I think we doctors get very frustrated because we feel it's, you know, going around and around and we're fighting the same battles every couple of years. And you, you could get tired of it. And I actually, I certainly, when I, on the playback, listened to your program, I got a pep in my step and thought, okay, there is appreciation and support out there. The people will rally around. This won't happen. And you know what? It makes you makes you glad to be part of this community. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. And there was just this huge outpouring of uh, respect for the hospital and love of the hospital. And so many people had stories to share. Absolutely. Of really feel you know we of course we know a lot of these stories but you know to see the level of support um you know it it, it makes the fight very much worthwhile okay and uh, you know uh, anyway it was a, a very good pro- kind of program to listen to before we faced we faced into uh, that meeting okay so yeah. uh, so explain who attended last night's meeting okay so um the, the, the meeting basically is our west Coast clinical society our west Coast clinical society meets uh, once a month it's the hospital doctors and uh, the general practitioner so anybody who actually has anything to do with general practice in West Cork is in, in you know is, is part of this West Cork Clinical Society. So yesterday we had about fifty, I would say, GPs from Kinsale to Bandon to you know just you know every every everywhere and and uh, uh, from far and wide to you know attending that. It was chaired by Tony Callanan, uh, uh, our GP in in Bantry, is our chairman, and David Hurley is our secretary. Um, and we, we had invited, you know, the, the, the faculty had actually invited uh, Professor Bury to actually let him actually talk about his initiative with the emergency backpacks. And we had invited Dr. Michael Power to actually give his side of the story. And um, so they were invited. Who else intended as well were actually a, a team from the, um, the ambulance services. So okay, that would actually would pull it all nicely together. And following following what you heard at the meeting, do you still believe Bantry will move to a Model Two hospital? Yes. There was nothing stated. I tell you night. why. I, 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 I'll come to that in a second. So the, the meeting was extremely focused. Um, it was actually um, a really good meeting. Different GPs gave stories, gave uh, their fears, gave their history of having th- promised things that were never coming true. It actually, you could hear a pin drop in the room most of the time. Um, you know, really, it was a, a, a very timely reminder that we are all in this, to, you know, in, in, in this together. And, um, you know, it was it was definitely, um, you know, a, a focused meeting as in such, you know, we weren't there to berate these guys, you know, and fair play to them. They came from, from Dublin to give their side of the story. And I do think that Professor Bury, with his merit initiative, has a good initiative. 
I don't know if he was just taken in by that and didn't realize that he, you know, that that initiative is used to cut services, or you know, I don't know. I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm a married doctor myself, so I, um, you know, so uh, Dr. Michael Power, the man whose email you have seen, who actually states very clearly that he actually uh, envisaged, you know, Bantry Hospital to actually become a, a level two hospital. You know, he was basically saying that he endorses what the HSE said yesterday. And that is a very important point I want to make this morning. The HSE said nothing yesterday. They fudged the, 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 the topic. When they say no such thing will happen and Bantry Hospital won't be downgraded, we will put extra services in, they are not answering the question. You know, it could be all sorts of services they are planning to kind of put in. And we've heard it all before. The only question they need to answer, and they haven't answered, is, you know, and I get, if, if, you, if you actually get people to ask that question, what we want to know, will Bantry Hospital have a 24-hour acute, unselected medical take? Now, what does that mean that to patients? That it actually, that, that, that is the only thing that would actually, um, you know, th- this is what it means not to be a level two hospital. That means our, um, you know, our ambulances will stop when we think it's appropriate to stop in, 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 in Bantry. You know, there are people that are better off going straight to Cork. Absolutely. But VGPs know that when we come to an emergency. If you have multiple trauma, you have nothing to lose in Bantry Hospital. You go straight with the ambulance to to uh, uh, to Cork University Hospital. And some heart attacks are actually better off going directly to to uh, to Cork. There is no argument about that. But lots of other people don't. And I think we all can make that decision here. But if we don't have a service here, we can't make that decision anymore. So if if it goes to a Model Two hospital, mm-hmm. does that mean that all nine 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 ambulances will bypass Absolutely. the hospital yes. and go straight to yes. C- CUH? Yes. So going to a it model be a glorified two, nursing home. Yeah, but go, so going to a model two hospital is a downgrade. Of course it is. And yet the HSE you know, issue us so with a statement saying you know, there's no plans. Look at that. Look at that press release. He did not say it's not becoming a, a level two hospital. He, they actually said they will actually put in services and they won't downgrade it. You know, they they, they fudge, They're so good in fudging around. You know, not they're not giving you an answer. It's, ca- it's called it's political. political. <laughs> it's called political spin. It's all political because spin. They so say the only thing we need to know loud and clear is there uh, provisions that we actually continue to have it. But, but this is what we have at the moment: a twenty-four hour acute, unselected medical take. That is the spin word that we need to kind of find out. That's what it actually all comes down to. And if we don't have that. We do not have an acute service in Bantry with all the problems that you have, you know, heard about yesterday that we have in our press release uh, that, you know, we've, we've, we've spelled it out there. And, you know, the, the ambulance services that were in attendance are in complete agreement with us. They actually, um, you know, the, 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 these poor guys, when we are complaining, so when we are telling stories that we had to wait for ambulances for an hour at one stage, uh, Goline uh, uh, GP told the story of a patient who was very, very unwell and the ambulance had to come from list house you know this is the moment where you actually want to you lose your will to live as a gp because you will be you know you can't do more from your from your page for your patient that you have done already you do need an ambulance but the ambulance service 
has the same problem. They are actually stopped from doing their job properly because they're understaffed with all the cutbacks that we have suffered. So I think, and I'm, you know, it's not just the ambulance service. You know, it doesn't matter if it's nurses or doctors, home helps. We all suffer from, you know, we call it a moral injury. We've all signed up to help people. We are actively stopped to do that. And these emergency backpacks, uh, Geisha, can you explain what the Absolutely. Bantry Community so Response The Merit Initiative is running for the last kind of, for a couple of years. It's probably nearly 10 years. I don't know exactly when it started. I signed up a good few years ago. So basically what it means, I get a text alert if there's a cardiac arrest uh, in, a, in a radius around 10 miles around me. So that means that I've been supplied with uh, an emergency bag for my car and I have a defibrillator in my car. So I mightn't be in a position to kind of drop everything and leave. If I have sick children in the waiting room, I can't leave. And, you know, but it does feel when I'm going out to house visits, when I'm called out, and the chest infection that I'm going out turns out not to be a chest infection at all, it makes me safer because I at least have a defibrillator. And while I'm waiting for the ambulance, I have, you know, some of the basic equipment. That basic equipment is, uh, it comes through the merit initiative. If I use anything, I have to replace it myself. If I use oxygen in my oxygen tank, I pay for that after that. There is absolutely zero uh, input from the Department of Health to help us with any of that. And that's how it started. We had a cardiac uh, resuscitation course in November, you know, with uh, Professor Bury, who runs excellent courses. So, again, you pay for those courses and you pay for your nurses. No, no funding whatsoever. And there was, you know, it was raised that we might be able to get some funding to actually train us better and actually restock our bags. So GPs got very excited about that and said, this sounds good. Finally, somebody is taking notice that we're doing a good job out here. And then the news broke that it comes with a heavy price tag because the only reason that they're actually uh, even kind of discussing it is to actually half the headline, GPs now are, you know, fully equipped to do emergencies, no problem with Bantry Hospital. And that's when we actually, um, you know, when, 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 you know, we called this meeting, when we actually uh, got you all involved uh, in actually getting the facts straight. So, yes, the initiative is good, you know, that, but how, it's certainly, we are not the emergency service. We are family doctors. And, and, and I, doctor, actually, I signed up, just to, you know, I signed up for the married program to make me and my patients a bit safer. I will not be involved in anything that actually can afford us any further cutbacks out here. We cannot take it. And the people of West Cork shouldn't take it. And Dr. Michael Power, the gentleman who appears to be making the decisions around the future of Bantry Hospital, states that his plan is to go to an orderly transition mm-hmm. to a Model 2 hospital supported by building and strengthening the Bantry West Cork Community Active Response Partnership yes. now no, ongoing. It was stamped on. It was very yeah. much stamped on. The GP said there is no such partnership. There is no such partnership and there won't be any partnership if that is your plan. And, you know, so, I, I, you know, it was actually, I've again, you know, I said, it, you know, I, I really felt boistered by your programme yesterday. I definitely left the meeting and said, yes, we GPs are all united. We are united with our hospital colleagues. We are united with the ambulance service and we are united with our patients. Did you get across to Dr. Michael Power how already overstretched GPs are in the area? You know, you try. You try your best. And I mean, goodness, you know, we heard stories. It makes your heart stop from, from, from fellow GPs. How much of that sinks in for somebody who lives in Dublin? I do not know. 
And so, in fairness, now, Dr. Michael, Dr. Michael Power is the HSE face. He's probably getting the slack for decisions all around. Uh, you know, he's not the only decision maker there. But you know, my my colleague Tom from from Dunmanway made a very, very, very good point. He actually said, "What kind of Ireland do you want?" And it's not only about the money. You know, there's so many more things, you know, on a moral and social kind of level that we need to discuss and see what do we want really. And, and I'm not sure how much of that really registers with these powers. A lot of people, Geeta, yesterday spoke about your uh, acute stroke unit at Bantry mm-hmm. Hospital. Mm-hmm. Would that close? Yes. Under a Model 2 hospital, of that would close. Would close. You will, not, you, you will not be allowed to have any emergencies, you know. They say nine to five, but, you know, emergencies don't behave like that. They can come in at four and are still an emergency. We know from the level two hospitals, you know, when they have a clinic, say a diabetes clinic running, yeah, and they, somebody gets a chest pain in the clinic, they are not allowed to look after that. That patient is put in an ambulance and is put an hour away to, you know, the, the university hospitals. And it's we know we know what's happening, uh, and it's not this, the, the fault of CUH or the Mercy Hospital. Not at all. But we know what's happening in their A&E departments. Yep. I mean, they must be very annoyed by this because it's going to add to their workload. Uh, certainly, in, uh, certainly, I, I, I would imagine that the A&E consultants will again give you the same thing. Certainly, the ambulance service were very clear that they already have a huge turnaround time because not only do they go the one and a half hours to Cork, they are then packed up for hours because they can't unload and that ambulance is not available for us in West Corkton so that's why we don't have ambulance there's a shortage of them anyway by the way after the reconfiguration we were promised more ambulances we have less than ever so you know we're burned we're burned we you know we don't we believe any of these promises they have never really come true for us and you know the ambulance services very clearly say this is dangerous and yes lives will be lost I think we're all in agreement on that Okay to finish off then the fight now is to make sure that Bantry General Hospital does not move to a Model 2 hospital 100% there is a petition that you might have seen Friends of Bantry Hospital have an online petition up which I do think is important that people know about that and if we hopefully sign I think what we did you know coming back to your do your question if uh, uh, Dr. Michael Power you know got that message I think the message that he got loud and clear is that we are no fools that we are united that it's West Cork is a strong community and it will have kind of consequences wide, you know, into Cork, as you very eloquently kind of pointed out yesterday. You know, of course, you know, if if if, if, uh, if we overstretch CUH anymore, the, the people of Cork will suffer as well. Um, he got that. I think that we actually are united uh, and that they are, you know, and that we are a very focused group as well. So I, I think he got that. So, yes, I think, you know, you, I would ask the population to actually Bring their politician, sign the petition, organise a march. Let's kind of get the momentum before the election. This isn't a political spin. And I was glad to hear that the politicians here on yesterday acknowledged that, that this is much bigger than any kind of political party's kind of tagline. And we're not called the Rebel County for nothing. Absolutely. Uh, Geeta, Geeta, we'll talk again. Listen, we appreciate you taking time out. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for Thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. Geeta Vinenka joining us from the Marina Medical Centre in Bantry. 
I spoke with uh, Gita before we came on air this morning. What a fantastic advocate on behalf of her patients and on behalf of the people of West Cork. And uh, she's just one of all of the other doctors she was representing. Uh, the All of the other doctors that were at that meeting uh, last night, she said they are very, very uh, united. Uh, some of your texts in... Oh, and by the way, the Friends of Bantry Hospital online petition that Geeta spoke about there. We have that up on our Facebook page as well if people want to uh, sign it. We have made contact with the uh, Junior Minister of the Department of Health, uh, Jim Daly, because I really want to get uh, Jim Daly's views on this and he is going to join us. He can't join us this so he's going to join us at about 20 past 11, half past 11 uh, today. So we look forward to hearing what Jim has to say uh, about it. The people of West Cork, says a te- texter, now need to get out and protest because it will happen. We need this hospital uh, Simon Harris doesn't seem to care about the people of West uh, Cork. Heidi says, uh, good morning, Patricia. And thank you to Dr. Geeta, who came on to your programme this morning to let us know exactly what happened at that meeting last night. Bantry is so important to this area. We must fight for it. I do not believe, I do believe there's a petition ongoing in Bantry. I think we need to know where so we can sign it. We all need to email the health minister to tell him what we think and what we want for this hospital. And a reminder that we did, thank you Heidi, we did get uh, an email from the Minister for Health welcoming the clarity on Bantry Hospital and saying there was no plans to downgrade it. If you are going to go down that route of emailing Simon Harris, the question you need to ask is have the, have the is he aware that there's a plan to move Bantry General Hospital to a Model 2 hospital? That's what needs to stop is this plan to get it to a Model 2 uh, hospital. Uh, thank you, says another text for your coverage on Bantry Hospital. Just a few points to raise if they haven't already been covered. The effect on tourists, and that wasn't something we spoke about yesterday the Wild Atlantic Way delays at CUH in an emergency because of no air ambulance uh, no helicopter pad in CUH by the way there is a helicopter pad in Bantry Hospital says this uh, texture there will just be addition to the trolley counts and then you've got parking for patients and for their families if people end up being forced to go to uh, CUH and we had another a call in that I thought was good from a North Cork listener who was making a point when he's hearing that the HSC are kind of poo-hooing and saying there is no downgrading going on shouldn't we investing in Bantry Hospital and even the Minister talking about the uh, the investment in the endoscope suite um, facility, the endoscope facility at Bantry Hospital and how great that is and that they are putting money into it but they can put money into it and still downgrade it to a Model 2 hospital. Tom in Kildallery says they invested millions into Heatherside Hospital and then a few years later what did they do? They closed it. Tom says you should see it now Patricia, there is isn't a window left in the building. There isn't a cooker left. There isn't a bit of copper left. Vandals went in and literally stripped anything that had any sort of value. It's an absolute shame, says Tom. That building could have been used for something else, Tom suggests. It could have been used as a direct provision centre. And uh, it's in a beautiful location. Yeah, it's in it's in a very rural country uh, location. And yeah, there was a decision made one day and that particular after Thomas Wright, after a lot of money was invested in it. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text, but please don't WhatsApp. We're having a technical difficulty with our WhatsApp, but you can use the traditional text message service to 0862 103 103 and you can email patricia at c103.ie. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smoke plus coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie 
Simon's Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. On C103. Monica, just give me the full three names there. Dear Joaquin, Jonathan Rees-Mars and Larry Mullen. Monica, you won 3,000 euros! You're you The day we had a jackpot worth 3,000 euro, and Monica, you absolutely nailed it. Oh, oh my God, thank you ever so much, Simon. I, I can't believe it. I'm shaking. Simon Celebrity Sees. Play weekday mornings on Cork's More Music Breakfast. On C103. Thank you to Rose from Taris Jock. My apologies, Rose. I should have remembered your petition. Taris Jock in Don Manway. They were the one the first to set up a petition yesterday against any changes to a Bantry Hospital. And uh, Rose was on today. Could you remind listeners they can call into the shop in Domanway if they want to uh, sign and failing that you can access it online we have it up on our Facebook page uh, we've just shared the petition that was set up by the Friends of Bantry Hospital OK we're going to take a break we have news at 11 on the way Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get 7 day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie so you've got a smartphone or tablet Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Anne was on to the programme with one, I've never, I don't think I've ever had anybody complain about this before, but she said she was doing some shopping yesterday in a shop and she was getting her change back. And she noticed that she'd been shortchanged by, no, not a lot, but by five cent. So she drew attention to the guy who was serving her and said, uh, you owe me another five cent. And the guy then said, oh, sorry, we're a bit low on five cents at the moment. And Anne kind of said, well, I don't care. I want my five cent back. So he ended up having to go to another till and he got the, she ended up getting the five cents. Now, she accepts that it's not a lot of money, but she said, all of those five cents add up. She's wondering how many other people were shortchanged at that same till just because they were running low on five cents. So she, her word of warning to people is check your change, even if it is only five cents. And I'm assuming it's one of those shops where, or it's the supermarket, where they're rounding up and rounding down and they don't have one and two cent coins. A lot of the, a lot of the shops and again, you don't have to be forced to do that. You can insist that they give you back your correct change. But I'm assuming it was one of those establishments and therefore they only had the five cents and they were running out of those uh, as well. OK, there's been a couple of people on saying they're having problems signing the online petition for Bantry Hospital and one person saying they can't find it and could we call it out again? It's uh, it's certainly on our first fa- Facebook page, the C103 Facebook page. We're sharing the petition that was started by the Friends of Bantry Hospital. So you can can go on to either our Facebook page and sign it and you can just click on it. It's one of it's on one of those change.org sites for petitions but the easiest way is to access it through Facebook and you just click on it and then you can sign it and I just checked it during the news it's certainly up on our Facebook page and as I say it's the Friends of Bantry Hospital Facebook pages petition that we are signing. Okay, a couple of other texts and comments coming in on the hospital and we are in this hour we will be speaking with Junior Minister Jim Daly just getting his view and does he have any concerns for the future of Bantry Hospital Michael says Patricia how are you what a fantastic straight talking advocate the GP Dr Geeta you had on in the last hour what a great advocate for the people of West Cork I think more GPs need to speak out I also think there should be a copy of that petition in every single GP surgery from Kinsale to Castletown Bear and beyond and in all pharmacies 
and via all of the public health nurses as they visit patients in their homes. The wider this is circulated, the more effective it will be. I have signed the online petition myself, uh, said Michael, but not everyone has access to online or maybe knows how to go online. I am one of the people who was treated at the hospital and was treated like a human being. They're, they are wonderful from top to tail. Please keep it going like it uh, is. Heidi says, Patricia, the that doctor that made those decisions, this is the doctor from the HSC, uh, Michael Power, on what happens in Bantry. Has he ever been down here? Has he ever spoke to the people that use the hospital? Has he ever spoke to the people of West Cork and how, and how they value this hospital? No, I imagine the answer is no. He was down in Bantry last night for the meeting, but has he met and spoke with people? And, you know, in this Dr. Michael Power's defence, he's kind of the head of, I mean, I'm assuming he's not making all of the decisions himself. I'm assuming there's a team behind him that are coming up with this great plan to downgrade the hospital to a Model T, a Model 2 hospital. But has he been down and spoke to the people of West Cork as far as I No, no, I haven't heard of anyone who said, oh, yes, I spoke with that gentleman. And yes, I recommended it should be downgraded to a Model 2 uh, hospital. Uh, what else is in? I'm just trying to keep them together on the hospital in... Oh, there's, a, there's an email I want to bring you to Patricia at c103.ie. Patricia, I only caught the tail end of your programme yesterday on this issue of Bantry Hospital being considered for any kind of a change. Uh, to say the least, I was enraged. What a stupid and very ill-informed move that would be. I have over the years been an ardent listener to your programme. I've actually texted many times. Thank you for that. You and you, I've texted your team and believe it or not, you've helped me through some very difficult times, not least the loss of my only son to a brain tumour in 2015 and the Less than three years later, my diagnosis of breast cancer. While all of the treatments, which by the way are still ongoing, they have all been at CUH and have been and will continue to be excellent. I'm very concerned that Bantry should be considered a hospital in any way to be downgraded. I have to ask if the government or the HSE understand how vital Bantry is to the West Cork area. Some of the nurses at the Dunmanway Day Care Unit at CUH would would, given the funds, like to set up a mobile unit to administer vital chemotherapy to patients in the West Cork areas, such as the Bera Peninsula. Their journey is over two hours each way. So these patients have at the very least a six to seven hour, sometimes longer days. Very hard when you're dealing with cancer, let alone family involvement. If this could be done in Bantry Hospital, it would cut their journey time by half. I myself had six months of chemotherapy once a week, which which would take a full day and that's fine once a week but when you consider travelling daily to CUH from West Cork for radiotherapy six to seven hours a day for someone with cancer can be very distressing I know it was for me I personally found the travelling far more stressful than the actual treatment goodness me rather than the the, what we spoke about yesterday build yet another hospital in Cork City why don't these people who sit behind their desks and presume that they think what come up with what they think is a master plan get out from behind those said desks and really look at what we the people need what is best for us 
we the people not just those who have cancer but for everyone I am and have been a carer for the last 23 years and my experience of Bantry Hospital has been nothing short of excellent the care given in Bantry is second to none the staff from consultants to those who clean the floors etc are beyond excellent Bantry has the best stroke and trauma unit in the area wonderful and caring staff and for ambulance workers to have to bypass Bantry and put lives at risk is in my opinion a ludicrous decision. In the next few weeks we will be having people knocking on our doors and asking for our votes. What in the world are we voting for? If these people can't even see how building yet another hospital in the city is nothing short of stupid, let alone a waste of taxpayers' money, when we have a perfectly good, no excellent facility in Bantry just waiting for expansion. Then tell me why and what are we voting for? Apart, of course, from all the other issues that need to be resolved, housing, education, etc, etc, etc. And what about Bantry Hospital? It must be saved. It is much needed in this area. And thank you for that. It's a very well put together email and can we wish you luck on your cancer journey and hope that you get to the end of it very soon and it's all very positive and and we know if cancer is caught in time and we know CUH is fantastic for dealing with cancer patients and we know outcomes now have changed uh, so much so we really wish you well with that and offer you condolences my goodness on the sad loss of your only only son in uh, 2015 you have had a tough tough cross uh, to bear and we offer you strength and we'll keep you in our thoughts and in our prayers thank you for that uh, for that email to patricia at c103.ie on some other issues that are coming into the programme not related to Battery Hospital let me come just get come to some of them uh, where are we going Hi. Oh, this is on that very, very sad story that we opened the show with this morning and we all woke to the news this morning of a young man who has died after a stabbing incident at a house party in Cork. Such a, such a shocking, shocking story to have to be reporting to on a Friday morning and our thoughts are very much with his friends and family and, and we know we had some family members and Jim Paul said some of his friends have contacted uh, us this morning uh, as well. It's just, and the name, his name is out. We're not releasing his name and we won't release his name until we get the official go-ahead from a guard this year corner because I'm conscious of family members and I want to make sure every family member and every friend needs to be contacted and they don't need to be hearing the name uh, over the airwaves. And I was made that point earlier for people to be careful what they share. People have the best of intentions in trying to offer sympathies to other family members and friends but you just need to be careful you need to be sure that everyone who needs to be contacted has been contacted and that prompted a text to say hi I'm at, I'm at work so I can't come on air but I wanted to give you an example of untimely social media posts I know a man who when he died one of his daughters was actually at the time in labour in the Cork University Maternity Hospital the doctors and the family took the decision not to tell her until after she'd given birth but someone posted a lovely tribute on Facebook unintentionally announcing his death. Now the family had to quickly phone that person to ask them to take it down and luckily the daughter was in labour and she didn't get to see it. But I think the rule of thumb should be please don't post any announcement of a death this listener also would include a birth or an engagement etc until you see a family member 
are the people themselves post something you may unintentionally hurt someone or ruin a special moment and that can never be taken back that's a, a good word of advice yeah people we've just it's everything has changed with uh, social media people are so quick to jump in but we just just need to just stop just you know it's like what you if we could only get through to the to the keyboard warriors who think it's okay to have a go with somebody online if you just before you type something you just stop and think and sometimes particularly when I'm on Twitter and I'll see something I get really angry and I'll want to oh god what I want to say to that person but when you take a breath and you think about it oh god, I'm not going to put that up publicly on, on air and that's what you need to do with anything that you post up online and I Patricia uh, myself and my husband were in Mallow Primary Healthcare in Mallow yesterday there are three disabled parking spots right outside the door. All three were taken up with cars that had no badges. We ended up having to park in a non-disabled space where there was no room to open the door for my husband or to get out. Wouldn't you think that the HSE staff would be more considerate to the disabled? Well, firstly, you have no way of knowing that it's HSE staff that are parked there. But in the Mallow Primary Health Centre, I know the three disabled bays that you're talking about because they're right outside the door but just up a little bit up in the body of the car park there is a load of disabled parking spaces it's probably got the most disabled parking spots I've ever seen at any facility and I remember at the time thinking this is good and obviously it's the model for primary healthcare centres that they have enough disabled, the big wide disabled uh, bays. So whether you weren't aware of that just behind those three spaces you're talking about there's got to be at least 20 Disabled spaces, maybe um yeah fifteen yeah fifteen twenty I would I would say I'll try and count them the next time uh, I, I'm going but but again you're wrong to, to blame HSC staff because you've no way of knowing and I've never seen and I use that primary healthcare centre a lot and I've never seen a member of staff park in the disabled bays other people do seen other people just park in especially if they're running into maybe just pick up a prescription from the chemist or they're running in to get something from the doctor maybe you know collecting something I have seen people uh, do it Sheila says Hi Patricia I had to say you made me smile when you gave out the message earlier saying to people don't WhatsApp us that's here to the radio station because we're having technical problems at the moment just text in the traditional way Uh, as kids did we ever think that we would be saying such a thing or we would know that such a thing would exist as texting. Never mind that it would become a tradition. (laughs) Laughing out loud. How times have changed, says uh, Sheila. Yeah, indeed they have. But that's a good reminder. Don't WhatsApp us at the moment, please, because it's not uh, working. Patricia, hi. And all those election posters that have gone up, are they just another distraction for drivers who have to look at these, I'm trying to be polite, these faces. Somebody's used a, a more... Um, words, derogatory words towards the politicians. Uh, look at all those faces tied to polls for the next three weeks. Do other people find they are a distraction? Whatever about the ones up the polls, high up on the polls, we will inevitably get calls in about junctions, about people putting up posters at junctions that will turn out to be distractions and that will turn out to be a road safety issue and a health and safety issue in that if some people put up too many of those posters at say a crossroads or a junction and they're jutting out too far it can make it difficult for people to see oncoming traffic so and I'm assuming you know over this weekend we'll probably see a blitz of all of the posters so to the people to the teams behind the candidates who are putting up those posters please be extra careful where you're putting them up and make sure that it's not going to block anybody's views, view getting onto uh, a road. It's not going to affect oncoming traffic in any way. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls and you can text 
in the traditional way, as Sheila says. 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programmes. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. Person wanted for bookmakers in Mallow Town. Good customer care skills and experience in handling cash is needed. A general operative forklift drivers wanted. That's for the Charleville area. While Burton's in Canturk, they're recruiting for a receptionist cashier with admin and bookkeeping experience. And a bar person is wanted for the sportsman's bar in Aherla. Some experience in cash handling. Uh, is required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Now yesterday when we were hearing concerns from GPs in West Cork about the possible down of Bantry Hospital, we decided to invite the three elected TDs from the area to join us on the programme. Now, if you were listening yesterday, you would, of course, uh, heard Michael Collins and Margaret Murphy-Omani join us. But unfortunately, uh, Minister Jim Daly wasn't available to talk to us yesterday, but he's available to talk to us today and he joins me. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, uh, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, I assume you're going to take the party line and say, nothing to see here, move along. The HSC have no plans to downgrade Bantry General Hospital. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks, Patricia, for the opportunity to address this issue for, for your listeners, because obviously it's of huge concern. Um, and yesterday I wasn't able to go on your show for no other reason than I was above in Dublin at meetings inside the Department of Health. And you can't just drop them at the last minute. Uh, thirdly, there isn't a party line here. Uh, there is no line um, been put out by anybody. What is going on in Bantry at the moment is uh, it happens periodically. It happens um, every few years, every maybe four or five years. Uh, it happens to coincide with elections, sometimes, sometimes not. But basically this has had nothing to do with that. This has had a consultant as Michael Power. Uh, he is he has had many meetings with me about um, beefing up the facilities available for emergency um, ambulance cover in West Cork and getting the involvement of GPs as part of that. And he has been looking for uh, monies from the government to support GPs with replacement of their equipment that they use when they answer an emergency call. As part of some of this ongoing work, uh, Michael Power has said in an email to the consultants in Bantry that he considers some of the work that they're doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, that it may not be the safest of standards that he had a concern and that maybe it should be done. Has he, has he evidence that something's gone wrong? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I'm not aware of any incident or anything like that. Uh, none that ever was. This has been mentioned several times because if you look at the other hospitals that are just like Bantry uh, throughout the country, look at Nina, look at Innes, look at Roscommon, many of the other smaller hospitals that are Model 2 hospitals, they have had the 24-hour cover removed from them. Now, Bantry has always had a very unique, special status because of its geography, and that has been respected and regarded heretofore. While some clinicians, and clinicians are like politicians or like anybody else, uh, some doctors will differ, and as they say, patients die, some doctors have a different view, and some doctors, you know, have a, an alternative view. And this doctor has put forward a view that, uh, you know, should it not be like the rest of the Model 2 hospitals? He's one individual working in the system. And uh, basically the answer is no, it shouldn't be like the other hospitals because it has a unique geographical status. And that has always been uh, the argument. So this argument has been going on for as long as I'm 
on this earth and it was 40 years I'd say or more it certainly has gone the last 20 or 30 years there was a report done in the 70s I can't think of the author of it there was a report done in, uh, you know many different times but it has always been agreed at the end of the day that Bantry has a unique geographical position that merits it having special status so uh, without boring you of all the details okay, it, okay, it is but, a model too it but, is, but it to is hear a, the Minister for Health say in his statement today that Sloan to Care is our overarching health policy it supersedes any existing proposals. Would that not worry you that if it supersedes any existing proposals, could that supersede that Bantry has this special status? No, not in the slightest. In fact, the complete opposite. I mean, Sloan to Care is all about bringing care closer to the patient where the patient is, avoiding people travelling to acute hospitals and into CUH. Sloan to Care is the complete opposite of what is going on at the moment. Sloan to Care is about bringing the care closer to the patient, providing the services as close to the patient as possible, ensuring that people are not going into the crowded A&Es in the city centres and places like that, that we would up the the level of... Um, uh, I suppose service provided at local smaller hospitals just like we've done say in, in uh, Clonic Hilty Community Hospital building a transitional care unit that's very much the model of Slantacare so the Minister is 100% right that if there was there was proposals before under the reconfiguration the National Reconfiguration Programme that all Model 2 hospitals should cease 24-hour cover and what the Minister is saying they no longer apply now that's that's 15 years old, that document that I just referred to there, uh, they no longer apply because Lawn Care has superseded all of them. So it's now about looking at every individual case on its own merit and making sure. So the Minister is 100% right in using that line that Lawn Care provides a security to Bantry Hospital that wasn't there before. So to hear, to have Dr Michael Power, who is the National Clinical Lead of Critical Care Programme, so we assume that they're the boys that make the decision, to, he, to see in an email from him, say, my input to the debate is Bantry goes now to an orderly transition to Model 2 Hospital. You're saying we can ignore that. That's not going to happen. Well, I, what I'm saying is he's entitled to his view and his opinion and he, Dr. Power won't be the only person that will have a view. I'm sure there'll be another Dr. Power will come along in another five years' time and make the same argument again. But, I mean, he isn't a decision-maker. Uh, the decision maker is the management of the hospital and ultimately the manager of the South Southwest Hospital Group, which is Jury of the Wire, because Bantry Hospital is now a member of a group of hospitals and it's managed by a group. And I have uh, said yesterday, Patricia, since becoming Minister of State over the last two and a half years, I have arranged and in, uh, insisted on in having meetings at Bantry General Hospital three or four times every year, sometimes five times of, for the last two and a half years, with the management of the South Southwest Hospital Group and the management of Bantry General Hospital and the consultants and the nursing staff present there with me are representatives of them around the table. And we have done that for the last two and a half years. And over that period of two and a half years, never once did this discussion arise. Never once in the two and a half years did that uh, arise at the, around that table from any forum. What we discussed was... I'm sorry, I'm now being told that Jerry O'Dwyer that you spoke about, he's, well, you say he's the manager of the South South West Hospital Group. Yeah. He didn't attend the meeting uh, last night. Uh, he, I, As far as I know, there was an invitation extended to him, but, but he didn't. He show up. OK. He, so, no, so, can I just finish? Because the point yeah. is very important. The point okay. is very important uh, that I was making there. So for two and a half years, we, and Jerry O'Dwyer was at these meetings in Bantry General Hospital. He is the most senior official 
within the HSE in the Munster region, right, when it comes to hospitals. Uh, and he attended every one of those meetings, or almost every one of them. If he couldn't be there, he's in the representative, but I think he was at all of them, around the table in Bantry, with the consultants, with myself, and with the management team there. And this issue has never, ever arisen. Now, one doctor has mentioned it in an email to another doctor. He's, that doctor is perfectly entitled to mention it as an option, but that doctor will be told by me, by Minister Harris, by Jerry O'Dwyer, by the management at Bantry General Hospital, and by the consultants in Bantry General Hospital, that this is absolutely not a runner. Bantry Hospital has a unique place in Irish geography, in Irish society, in that it is the only rural remote Model 2 hospital. It does not have the luxury of some of the other hospitals of having a, you know, a big hospital within a 20-minute or 30-minute drive of it, the people of the Beira Peninsula and, and all the other areas. So that is, has been respected and regarded and recognised for decades and will continue to be. And there are absolutely, and I have no skin in the game. I mean, I'm leaving politics. I've begun yeah, a couple abso- of weeks. Abso- and, 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 and I, 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 I give that. an assurance as well, because this okay. is important. I need to give an assurance to people. Uh, I've met with Brian Carey and spoke with his concerns after getting this email from uh, Dr. Power. And I told Brian, my job here is not just to ensure that Bantry isn't downgraded while I'm a minister, but to ensure that long after I'm gone, that Bantry is secured. And to that end, I put pen to paper to um, Paul Reid above in Dublin, the HSE, and I've told him I want to have a meeting with him. And I've been booked this week to have a meeting with him next week on, on Bantry General Hospital to make sure that there is 100%. It's not out of fear that I'm doing this. I have a number of issues that I'm trying to get over the line at Bantry General Hospital, trying to get the theatre open five days a week, trying to get out to tender the 10 million euro investment that we announced there for a rehab and uh, a rehab centre there and an endoscopy unit there. Uh, we have a CT scanner put in there and also to make sure that uh, there's some issues there with staffing and trying to get them addressed so that we can make sure that we can provide cover 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm meeting with Paul Reid next week. Not, and I, I, I hasten to add, I do not, I want to stress, this media I had booked before Christmas that I wrote him about, nothing to do with the, this latest development or anything like that. I'm just ensuring that long after I'm gone, the Bantry continues to thrive. Okay. Well, what, what we now need then to end all of this, we need Jerry O'Dwyer to come out and publicly state that they they have absolutely no plans to move Bantry Hospital to a Model 2 hospital because when we contacted the HSE yesterday first of all we got onto the press office to be told that the press office don't deal with the South South West Hospital Group we had to get onto a private PR company that's okay we got onto the private PR company we got a statement from them. They were the statement as they always do. And they, but they say on it that both units continue to operate seven days a week. There was nothing about 24 hour cover seven days a week, just that it would operate uh, seven days a week. Then this morning when we get back on to say, OK, tell us for once and for all, is it moving to a Model 2 hospital? The private PR firm say, oh, nothing to do with us. That's the HSC. John Paul's been onto the HC, he's tearing what little hair he's left in his head out, trying to get onto the HC, and no one will come back to us. Okay, so when well, people don't come back to us, you can understand why people are scared and nervous. And the doctors, I mean, I don't know if you heard the doctor we'd on this morning, she was probably one of the most passionate GPs I've ever spoken to, and a great advocate on behalf of their patients. They're not doing it for the sake of it, they're doing it because they care about the people of West Cork, and they know lives will be lost if we don't keep everything that we have in Bantry in place. 
Yeah, and I can give you a categorical assurance, Patricia, insofar as, uh, you know, I am leaving the field. I don't have any skin in the game here other than the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Yes, I'm still a politician and all the rest. Somebody will charge me, no doubt. But the reality is I care deeply. You know, I have family living all over West Cork. Bantry Hospital means so much to my friends, to my neighbours, to so many people, right? So I'm very proud of the contribution I have made, and that's not what I'm here to talk about. But I'm also talking about what I intend to do to make sure that it is secured into the future. And that is by telling you that securing a 10 million euro investment to make sure that there's a rehab and endoscopy unit open there, to deal with the staffing issues there, which I've continuously continuously done with the management, both of the South South West Hospital Group and the hospital, four or five times a year at our meetings in Bantry General Hospital, and to make sure that the theatre is often running five days a week, which we're, I think we're almost over the line on that. We're very, very close to it. We're due to have another meeting before the end of the month. And these meetings have been happening continuously over a period of time. And as I said to you already, never once has a proposal to move it to Model 2 been even mooted at those meetings, it has never, ever risen. One doctor has expressed a view, and, and the doctor is perfectly entitled to express a view. And that doctor is the clinical lead, the national clinical lead in, in emergency. So, you know, that doctor has a very, very valid view and is entitled to have it. But that doctor also has to recognise that there are very, very unique circumstances pertaining. And I have no uh, doubt whatsoever that Jory Dwyer will give you an absolute categorical commitment because if there was a proposal... Well, isn't it a pity that he didn't attend that meeting last night and he, well, could have put, he could have put all this to bed? I don't know. I mean, I can't account for what Charlie Dwyer does every evening or where he was. He may have been... You know, I, look, I'm not there. So, I mean, people can't be everywhere. I don't know what the story is there, but I can assure you he's not running for cover because I, as Minister, would have the information. Would, and would, and would, would you, would you also me. worry, and it was it's, it's a big concern that came up yesterday, that the pressure it would put on CUH. I mean, if you look at the trolley crisis in University Hospital Limerick in Galway, that's as the director is of a Roscommon type model being implemented in Roscommon, Ennis and Nina. Like we, we you know, when you hear this, uh, um, Dr. Michael Power saying to make it like a Roscommon model, have they not learned from the mistakes that they made in Roscommon? I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, one, the worst a we have in the country, the most, the, the, the most challenging a sorry, not the worst, and I, I shouldn't use the words like that, but the most challenged a we have in the country uh, from a numbers point of view is actually in UL. And I mean, that is as a direct result of illness and Nina, you know, have really not a direct result, but that has compounded matters there um, very much so as well. So it would make absolutely no sense whatsoever. I mean, what I'm trying to do is the complete opposite is get more and more procedures done in Bantry, get more and more work done in Bantry and get Bantry providing more and more cover. And, you know, because of the geographical situation, we cannot afford for somebody to have to leave one of the peninsulas, the, the outer end of the peninsula or one of the islands and have to try and get up to CUH and get into the, you know, the overcrowded system there. What we want to do is up the level of service available. And I will continue for every day that I'm left in this job. OK, for well, you've got a that. lot of very unhappy doctors and you've a lot of very unhappy people in, in West Cork, Jim. If you can get any categorical guarantee, I think at this stage people will almost want it written in blood. Well, I mean, I, I, I have to reiterate again, Patricia, at the end of it. I mean, like, I don't know what, what can I do. I'm, you know, I'm either lying or I'm telling the truth. Uh, as a minister within the department and the ministers, like, we do live in a democracy. And decisions like this have to have ministerial support and approval. They have to have it, right? And I can categorically tell you that there has never been a proposal put to me on any level, good, bad or indifferent, either me or Simon Harris, or to, from Jerry Dwyer or through Jerry Dwyer or to Jerry Dwyer to have this hospital 
um, downgraded in any way, shape or form. It is a Model 2, by the way. It is a Model 2 operating as a Model 3 hospital because of its unique geographical status. That's the situation in Bantry. That is how it has always been and that's how it will continue. And in fact, it will improve its range of services as we get to spend more money in the hospital in the coming weeks and months. I would be hoping that the project to build the endoscopy unit will go to tender in the next three to four weeks. I'm hoping to get it over the line before I leave. Uh, you know, these are the investments that are there. The staff are superb. I've worked with the consultants very, very closely over in Bantry. And yes, I'm aware of this email, and I was aware of it a couple of weeks ago, that this uh, Dr. Power did send an email there to the local consultants. I spoke immediately to Cherry to Wire and asked Cherry, and this is long before there was any publicity in this, is there anything that he said? 100% absolutely there is zero, well, zero. If, you can, if you've got a line to Jerry or Dwyer, get him to come out and issue some kind of a statement that will just quell a lot of the rumours and the fear that's out there. And there's a lot of people signing that online uh, petition as well. Well, okay. I mean, I think people have to as well respect that we do live in a democracy and the Minister of the Day has to approve any such change. And there is no proposal put to the Minister, either Minister Harris or myself, in any way, shape or form over the last, uh, since this government came into power, over nine years to change uh, the status of Pantry Hospital other than to upgrade it. Okay. Well, there was somebody in the background talking about it because it's there in print in black and white. No, okay. one doctor. No, let's be well, clear. Well, one, one doctor. But it was, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, but one doctor, you assume, was talking to other doctors? You're assuming... But he's, he's entitled to his view, Patricia. He's yeah. entitled that okay. doctor. A well, medical person yeah, is entitled yeah. to their view and entitled to put forward their view. Well, and clinical safety is what they'll talk about and they're entitled to do that. But it doesn't mean that they're right. Okay. It doesn't mean that they're right. Okay. Are you still happy with your decision not to run in this election? I certainly am, Patricia. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm no longer a public representative as of Tuesday uh, for the first time in 16 years and it's a very very different space to be in but I, I'm delighted I'm absolutely thrilled and really looking forward to you know returning to being a private citizen again but I remain a minister for another I, I think until they or not I think I know until the next Taoiseach is appointed I remain all as a minister uh, I have a very full workload involved as a minister my diary is chock block for the next few weeks and I will continue to fulfil that mandate to the very last day Are you looking for a job? I am. I are certainly you? am. I certainly am, Patricia, if there's any of your listeners have anything And why, why, what are you looking to do? Will you go back to teaching? I don't think so, no. I, I've kind of always in my head that I don't want to go back to anything. I'd like to do something new. I'd like a new challenge, a new opportunity. And uh, I mean it genuinely. People say to me, oh, you have something up your sleeve and you're, you're not telling us if there's any of your, your listeners have any uh, job uh, that they think might... Uh, that I might fulfil I'd be delighted to hear from because I genuinely am starting a lot of panic now but I'm obviously looking very much thank God I need to start uh, concentrating on my next life and look to it, look ahead to it I didn't see this election coming I genuinely thought we were going to be there until the summer uh, and I didn't believe this election was going to happen until last Friday so I'm kind of okay. so we'll, we'll keep an eye on the job link for you uh, we'll <laughs> leave it there Jim thank you for that thank and uh, thanks for, that uh, for joining us 1850 uh, still the junior minister at the Department of Health uh, Jim Daly and we are still awaiting a statement from the HSC on the questions we asked can they confirm uh, that Mallow General Hospital is moving to a Model 2 hospital and also the 24 24-7 anaesthetic cover that's vitally important as well Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio.
Now we're moving to a completely different topic because a research project by the Clinical Psychology Department in UCC is hoping to explore the attitudes of older adults towards sexual well-being in later life and are looking for female volunteers aged 65 and over who are willing to discuss their views about sexual well-being. Kirby Jetter is conducting the research from a GCC and she joins me. Good morning to Kirby. Good morning. And you are welcome to the programme. Are we as a nation very conservative when it comes to talking about our sex life? I think culturally, yes. Um, I think Ireland definitely can say that it's a more conservative uh, country in regards to talking about this. But we can also say just even from a Western society perspective, if you look at popular culture, uh, the idea of older adults being sexually active is kind of joked about almost on TV. Um, And we kind of think, okay, we don't want to think about maybe our grandparents maybe having a sexual life. But it very much is a real aspect of quality of life well into older older life. So how important is our sexuality as we get older? Well, it definitely is a contributing factor to the quality of life, and this is across the lifespan. So your sexual well-being contributes to the quality of your relationships, to your sense of identity, um, just your general sense of satisfaction with your life. And we know that adults over 50 in Ireland, 59% of them are still sexually active, according to a research study that uh, Trinity College would have done. And we can even say that for women who are aged 65 to 74, we know that 41% of them are still sexually active in Ireland. And that's, I mean, that's a pretty significant number of people. And when an older person goes to a doctor, Kirby, is the topic of sex ever raised, particularly older people? Yeah, and that's something that we're looking to investigate as well. So we know from research that was done, like in Canada and the U.S., that actually when a doctor is presented with a case study and he's just asked to maybe give an example of what he might ask that person, when the case study is exactly the same, but the only difference is the age, doctors will ask the younger person about their sexual lives, but they won't ask nearly as often with older adults. So what we know then is that even among healthcare professionals, that sometimes it's not valued quite as much. And so part of what this research project is going to do in interviewing women is ask them how they feel and do they get asked that question by their healthcare um, practitioners and how do they feel about talking about it and who do they talk to about this? Um, or, do, or do they talk about it at all? Exactly. And I mean, we have an ageing population. So, I mean, isn't it more important than ever that we need to talk about it and the role that sex plays? I mean, it changes as we age, but we need to talk about it. Absolutely. And the point that you made there, you know, sex does change as people age. And the research will tell us that the way that older adults, people in later life might define sex, can look quite different from how they would define it when they were younger. But that doesn't mean that it's any less um, important for people who still value it. And, you know, we know that the population is aging because it's fantastic that people are living longer. We have advances in technology and medicine, and we're adding lots of years to our life. But we also need to think about maintaining our quality of life well into our later years. And at the moment, you know, we know a large percentage, well, 13%, I think, of the Irish population would be older adults, but that's expected to increase. Um, And it's increasing around the world. People are living longer and longer. But how do we make sure that we're having 
a fantastic quality of life as we're living longer. Which includes having a good sex life. Now, this is, <laughs> this is the big one. You're looking for volunteers. You're looking for, it's, it's, it's just women. Is it over the age of 65 to it's talk just, to you? Yes, exactly. It's just women over 65. Now, we've been trying to recruit for a little while now. And to be very honest, as you mentioned at the start of the conversation, it is, a, it's, you know, it's a more conservative kind of population that I'm talking to. And it's hard. Like, I'll, I'll throw my hands up and say it's a difficult topic to talk about because it is so private. But specifically trying to recruit older women to talk about this has been a challenge. But what happens then is if people aren't stepping forward to take part is we're not capturing women's voices. And, you know, from a very clinical research perspective, this is hugely important, you know, because we know it, it still matters, but we don't know in what way and how women feel about it themselves. And then even from a personal perspective, you know, I'm a woman and I don't want to hit any point in my life when people stop asking me questions about things that matter to me. Yeah. And I want to make sure that my voice is still out there. And so I think it's really important that we do this kind of research and get women to be supported, to kind of have their opinions uh, put out there. So if anybody's listening over the age of 65, female, willing to take part, what do you ask of them? Do, you, do, you, do they need to travel to you in UCC? Is it a face-to-face interview? Can it be done over the phone? Um, at the moment, we're hoping to organise face-to-face interviews. Okay. And it would be through UCC, but there's a lot of flexibility there. So I'd emphasise that the main priority for us is confidentiality. Right. So if, you know... This is not something that will ever be heard by anybody else other than the researcher, which is me and the person who I'm interviewing. And then what I do is I just immediately write down, I just transcribe the conversation, and then the the audio is just deleted, nobody hears it, and all names are changed. We really value privacy, and we want to make sure that people who take part know that it's just their opinions that are coming across, it's not their name, it's not their personal details or anything like that. So I can um, travel to that person, you know, we'll be as flexible as possible. Um, it's just about maintaining those things. So they can text me or email me if they wanted to take part and I will just do basically the rest of the work. And are you looking for ladies over 65 who have an active sex life or who don't have an active sex life or who have no sex at all? What? Anything at all. Anything um, at all, okay. Anything at all, because I think, you know, we just want to get a sense of the importance of this. So some women might come in and say, it's not really that important to me at all. And we can also talk about why that is. You know, is that different now than it was before? And what are their attitudes and feelings about that? How do they feel about the fact that it's not important to them at the moment? Um, and, you know, that's very rich information for us as well. So there's no right or wrong answer. It's just very much what is the truth? What are people's opinions? How do Irish older women feel about this topic? And it's women only? Just women at the moment, yes. So just for the type of research we're doing, we have to kind of keep the group as similar as possible. So we'll start with women. And, you know, this is, we've had a lot of interest in the research, so we'd hope to expand it to different groups as well as we move forward. I'm wondering, would would men open up quicker than women? Um, I'm unsure. Okay, how can people contact you? Yep, so if I can give them my phone number, I'm happy to read it out. Please do, yeah. Yep, so it's 087-396-0015. And I also have my email address, which is an awful email address. It sounds more like a bank sorting code, but I can read that as well. Okay. Okay, so if people have pens out, it's 11722-1886 at umail, so that's U-M-A-I-L dot U-C-C dot I-E. Okay, and we, as always, will keep all of those uh, details on file should anybody need need them. Where did you get an email address like that? 
I, the university just assigns them to you. It's not very personable, is it? <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever it. come across an email like that. No, and I certainly I have to would, write it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I can understand why you got to write it down. Listen, good luck with it. We'd love to hear from you at the end of all of this research as to what you discover. If you want to come back yeah. on and have a chat, it would be great. But I'll in the meantime, fantastic. thanks yeah. a million for joining Thank us on the programme so today. Good morning to you. Thank bye you. bye. That okay, is uh, Kirby uh, Jetter, who is uh, conducting that research at the Clinical Psychology Department in UCC. If you're over 65 female, you want to talk about sex, will you get on to Kirby, please? OK, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We'll catch up on a lot of your calls and comments that have come into the programme this morning. And we'll also talk movies with Mark Malone. It's all coming up in the final hour. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Hey, it's Simon. Have a brilliant weekend. I'm back on Monday morning. Your chance to play Celebrity Seas again. A brand new jackpot and three brand new celebrities for you to identify. Join me Monday morning for Cork's greatest hits, giveaways, everything to start off your week. Make sure it's part of your morning routine. See you Monday, live from 6. See You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts coming in to us to 0862103103. People having listened to Jim Daly. Mixed kind of a reaction. Let me give you some of the text. Patricia, you're wasting your time with Jim Daly. He's all talk. We're more in his line to put funding towards the home help. And then the old and the vulnerable may be able to, turn to return to their homes and to, to the comfort and the help that they require, he too will be old one day. Mike in Bantry says, Trish, I've always found Bantry Hospital to be excellent. Just adding my name to the long, long list of people, Mike, who have contacted us saying, saying similar. Uh, Patricia, your interview with uh, Minister Daly, while welcome on all the promises, ended with a really alarming statement to me. When he stated, it's already a Model 2 hospital, but being left to work at a level three on location. For me, that's another fudge. I hope once and for all the HSE do clarify what all that means. And you know something, Michael, I heard him say it as well. And I was thinking, oh, and then I was wondering, was that something that I should have known? That's something we definitely need to get clarification on, because if that is the case and it is already a model two, it'll be very easy for them, will it not, to say, oh, we'll just take away the status whereby you're allowed to work at a level three on location. And of course, that's as Jim Daly explained. It's because of the geographical nature and the rural location. It always got this special status. And that's why I refer back to my worrying. I'm trying to pick out between all the statements that we got from the HSE and from the minister, trying to sort of read between the lines, read between the spin. Was I thought the line from... Minister Harris saying, you know, Slaunter Care is the overarching health policy. It supersedes all existing proposals. That to, that's a worry to me because does that say that once upon a time Bantry had a special status? It no longer has it because Slaunter Care supersedes any existing proposals and any uh, reconfiguration. Uh, on Any configuration from now on, says Minister Harris, will only take place with the implementation of the new Slaunter Care Regional Health Areas. And that just, you know, when you read something, you think, oh, that kind of worries me a little bit as well. We are still, by the way, waiting for the HSE to get back to us on the, those questions that we put about Bantry Hospital. Is it going to 
into a model too. Can they guarantee the 24 7 uh, coverage? And I know John Paul. Is is, is 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 he becoming a pest to them? Probably. But I know he's ringing them continuously trying to say we would like something before the close of the programme. And I really hope that I don't at five to one get this really worthy statement that you just, because you need to proofread them, you need to read through it to decide what you're going to, you know, is it worth putting it out? Have we time to put it out? Because we've got time constraints with the news coming on at one o'clock. So we are still awaiting the response from the HSE. Um, Sandy says re Minister Jim Daly I must say I was rather impressed with his interview but the HSE don't impress me in the least they hide successfully behind private PR companies mostly internationally based but publicly funded so I hope that Minister Jim Daly is right and will inform and will information supplied to him be accurate? Sadly, I think politicians are sometimes fed information on what is termed as a a need-to-know basis. Similar to Brian Cowan, in my opinion, judging by Doyle Committee grilling and reports, public service advisors can be held responsible, uh, can't be held responsible and they're protected by statute, said uh, Sandy. And yeah, John Paul was making that same point. How often has that happened in the past where um, a minister or somebody or a politician is told something and something completely different is going on in the background? I mean, we could all think of a TV series, a comedy that we watched, uh, Yes Minister, that then went to Yes Prime Minister. And we knew it was never the politicians who made the decision. It was the civil servants behind. I mean, let's, all we can do is hope and trust that he isn't being fed mistruths and that what he believes to be true is true and that Bantry Hospital will remain as is uh, because judging by the calls and the comments that we are getting in there will be protest upon protest I think if they try to do anything that will stop and we know from the water protests we know that people power does work anyway thank you to the people that have contacted us let me go on to other issues now a couple of people have been on Reacting to the listener who contacted us about being in a shop, handing in money and realised that they were being shortchanged by five cents. It's only five cents. But when she pointed it out, the guy serving her straight away said, yeah, we're short of five cents today. And she said, well, Dan said, I want me five cents back. So you got it from another till. It's just that people need to be careful because, you know, that all it all does add up. Tom in Rathgormick says many places that charge one ninety five for an item when you get up to the counter they'll actually say two euro and they won't are they won't give you back your five cent and some say that that is rounding up well that's then they, they shouldn't do that if something is one ninety five it's one ninety five they shouldn't be be saying to you it's two euro when you get to the counter I mean the rounding up is the one. 190 if it's 197 198 199 that's round, rounding up but I mean 5 cent was not part of the rounding up plan uh, another texter says at Aldi in McCroom they're always rounding up it seems to be more the male shop assistants last Wednesday I corrected the same one same assistant uh, why don't they abolish why did they abolish the 1 and 2 cents coins and why don't they just give people the correct correct change done stores or always give you the correct change. And just on the rounding, rounding up or down was of the one and two cent coins. It was straight to get rid of the one and two cent coins. It was actually rolled out nationwide in October of 2015. I can't believe that it's actually that long ago. We're coming into the fifth year of it. But can I say to you, the it's the rounding is voluntary both for the retailers and the customers. One and two cent coins will always remain legal 
tender. And of course, the rounding can only apply to cash payments. It can't be done if you're paying by credit card or debit card. And the total amount of rounding is rounded up or down to the nearest five cents. That, that's what was always agreed. The retailer can apply rounding automatically without asking the customer. It is up to you as the customer to say if you don't want rounding applied to your bill. However, if that's the case, you have to have the exact change if they request it. Because if it's a shop, if it's a business that's decided to go with rounding and they're deciding to get rid of one and two cent coins, they still have to accept it, by the way, if you hand it in and then they want you to round and you say, no, I want my two cent back and they don't have a two cent coin to give you, then it would be your responsibility to have the exact amount. But nobody can be forced to do rounding up or rounding down. It is a voluntary code of practice and your one and your two cent coins uh, still do and will always remain legal tender. And by the way, it's not just this country that's happening in other countries as well. And just on that whole thing of being, you know, Anne contacted us and she's not being mean about it but she's just making the point that if all of those five cents add up and you know people are watching their their money and all that and people just need to be careful I suppose with their money was more what she was trying to highlight uh, that prompted Olivia to contact us to say she was out in in a restaurant before Christmas they went out for a meal and some of the diners at her table ordered a chicken curry and it came with rice but when they got the bill it seemed a little bit on the high side because they had in their head, you know, they knew how much the food was, so they knew roughly how much it was going to be. They just thought, oh, that bill is a little bit high. So they decided that they'd query the bill. And it turned out they'd all been individually charged. Everyone that had the chicken curry and rice, everyone had been charged for the chicken curry, which should have included the rice, but they all got charged for an individual portion of rice. So when Olivia pointed that out, obviously the restaurant said, really sorry about that, took it off the bill and they sorted the bill out and they paid the, the correct amount. But it did get Olivia thinking that if they were doing that to allow of customers it would be a nice little bit of a profit and she said the only reason they queried it was because of the cost of the bill and obviously a lot of people were having a chicken curry and, and rice dish and that goes back to the point that when you are in any kind of a restaurant you always need to check the bill you absolutely always need to check the bill to make sure that you are being charged for what you actually ordered and sometimes I have to say I've noticed when I check the bill in a restaurant sometimes they'll forget to add something onto it you know you might have had maybe two at the table had desserts and when the bill comes the dessert isn't asked it hasn't been put on or there are other times you get like in that case you get charged for something that was included in the meal or maybe you ordered by like the two desserts and you get charged for four instead because something went wrong with the system and of course once you point it out the restaurant it doesn't happen very often but it can happen in some restaurants I think particularly if they get very busy which brings me nicely to how honest would you be if your bill arrives and you are one of those ones that checks the bill and you checked it and you noticed that something that you ordered like maybe you ordered an extra bottle of wine and the young waitress hadn't added the extra bottle of wine onto the meal do you point that out when you go to pay the bill or do you see it as happy days I got away with a free bottle of wine or I got away with an extra couple of desserts whatever it was will you actually say to the waitress sorry now but you haven't charged me for something because we all would be very quick to point out sorry you overcharged me for something are we as quick to point out when we're undercharged for something your thoughts welcomed on that 1850 Alan says hi Trish just to let you know I got a call from a foreign telephone number there was music playing but I stayed with it and eventually a recorded message came on saying please hold you need to speak to our our financial advisor. This is a very important call. Then lo and behold, 
the phone call went dead. They were obviously trying to get me to call back. Absolutely a scam. Could you please let your listeners know, please? It's another one doing the rounds, said Alan. Yeah, it. I take it, Alan, it was probably one of those ones that they didn't want you to answer the call. The one where it only rings once or twice and then you just see it as a missed call. They're the ones where they want you to ring back. Of course, when you ring back, you get on a premium line. But I take it, it's maybe, maybe it's a new version of of that scam where they're saying to you you need to speak to our financial advisor because they're realising that people are copping on to the missed calls and when people see the foreign number and of course a lot of the smartphones now will actually tell you where the call is originating from. I had one the other day that was originated from the Congo. Obviously don't know anyone in the Congo so I didn't answer it back. I knew straight away it was one of the scam calls. So maybe they're copying on to that and they're doing this instead where they're letting you answer with the recorded message in the hope that you might call them back. So please be very careful. Someone else had a scam that they wanted me to mention uh, where is it? Oh, Tesco. Uh, Mary in Mill Street got a text purporting to be from Tesco claiming she'd won a prize and to click on a link. She uh, assumed straight away it was a scam because, um, and it is because Tesco were out before Christmas. Actually, there was a lot of the Mary, you're, you're late to the party on this one. There was a lot of those scams were doing the rounds before Christmas and I think they were trying to catch people busy in the run up to Christmas thinking, oh great, with all of the extra expenses isn't this wonderful? I was just shopping in Tesco. They're banking that you might have just been in there and uh, oh great, I've won a prize and you click on it and of course it is a scam. So yes, Mary, certainly there was there was warnings from Tesco before Christmas on that one. So you did absolutely the correct thing. And Bernie says, Patricia, would you please ask joggers not to be running on the main Mallow Road out from the roundabout heading towards Cork? Reason for this? Bernie says, I was driving home on Wednesday night and a lady jogger came running against me outside of the cones. There's roadworks going on in that area. So she was outside of the cones and outside of where the roadworks was going on. I could barely see her as she didn't have a high-vis vest on. And why she couldn't jog inside the cones, away from the traffic, I do not know. It's hard enough to watch and to navigate and to be careful with all the cones that are there without having to suddenly be aware that you need to be avoiding joggers. Absolute madness jogging on that main busy road, particularly where the roadworks are going on. Uh, Thanking you, says Bernie. Yeah, you need to be careful. Actually, I was on that very road, was it one day this week or was it last week? And two joggers went across the road and they were both wearing dark colours. I couldn't believe it. I was saying, where the high vis vest? And that is absolutely, it's the main road between Cork and Mallow and it's just as you come into Mallow there's roadworks going on there at the moment and even without the roadworks going on it's an extremely busy road so joggers please because we still have the very dark evenings bit of a stretch already I know it was yesterday about half past four it was still very bright I said isn't it great but we're a long way off from having nice bright evenings so joggers and it's great to see people in the month of January there's a lot of you know get fit and people trying to lose weight and people doing couch to 5Ks and it's great that people are getting active but we need you to be safe out on our roads as well so please, please be careful. And I don't know the listener who was on about people parking in the disabled bays at Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. Is that the same person back? It is uh, because I thought it was at the front of the Primary Healthcare Centre. That person is back to explain. It's at the back of the Primary Healthcare Centre where the South Dock is. There's only three 
parking spaces there and it was there where the person went with her husband and she actually had to use the normal parking spaces so my apologies I thought she was at the front of the building she still believes that it was people working in South Dock if it was you should have said something you should have I would have gone in I actually would have gone in and said excuse me I'm trying to get my husband out of the car who owns those cars outside and if it was one of them you would have shamed them into coming out and moving their car 1850 333103 lines open The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities a caricatural folk group violinist Ellen O'Connell and students from the Cork School of Music are among the guests. Alice in Panterland is continuing its run in Fomoy Community Youth Centre this weekend. Now it does include matinee performances tomorrow and again on Sunday. Contact Fomoy Community Youth Centre on Ash Key for tickets. Clyde Rovers GAA holding their lotto draw in the Hill Bar in Bottle Hill tonight. Jackpot €4,350 with tickets on sale from Jerry O'Donoghue. And volunteers are wanted to train as group facilitators for a new cancer support service in Fomoy. Now training will start in mid-February. If you can help, can you contact Jacqueline please on 089 239 or you can email cantalk15 at gmail.com. And you're please asked to support Anya Lynch and Sarah Jordan's Coffee Morning tomorrow morning, 10am to 1pm in the Trade Union Hall. This is to help them with their upcoming trip to Belarus to help children who are affected by the Chernobyl disaster. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie the GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. This is what it's all about. This is what you uh, you train hard for and you're motivated. And for this is what we want to do is for days to enjoy like this. Great celebrations for Father O'Neill's Cork and Munster Intermediate Hurling Champions. And the November Award winner is ace sharpshooter Declan Dalton for his part in their success. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. This one's for you. C103. C103 and the Marketing Institute present their January event on Tuesday the 21st. Niall Tracy, Director of Marketing, Fulcher Ireland, hosts the event entitled My Brand is a Liar. Register now at mii.ie to find out about which brands don't live up to their promise. Don't miss the January marketing event, Tuesday the 21st at 6pm in the Cork International Hotel. With the Marketing Institute of Ireland, Cork, The Echo and C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And actually something we must keep an eye on on uh, Monday is the Ian Bailey extradition. Uh, Mary Ford says, Hi Patricia, I would like to state that as an Irish citizen if the state decide to extradite Ian Bailey next Monday, not in my name. That's when it's next uh, due before the courts. We will keep a close eye on that story on uh, Monday. Oh, this is gorgeous. This is from David. Patricia, I just want to say a quick thank you to somebody we don't know who the person is I was in Super 
value in Middleton this morning and I was on the phone and really wasn't paying attention. But when I went up to the self-service checkout, I realised I only had a fiver on me and I didn't have any bank card, any debit or credit card with me. With me. So I said if I'll put something back and the lady working there went to get change out of her own purse to help me out. And then this lovely lady who was beside me handed me another fiver and just kept going. I actually only needed €2.70 out of the fiver that she gave me but she was gone I couldn't even give her back uh, the change uh, I didn't get her name and, and couldn't don't know who she is so I just want to say a big thank you to her and also to the lady who was working in Super Value in Middleton because she tried to take money out of her own purse to help me out isn't it great says David to see kindness and humanity still around with all that's happening in the moment with young people and just utterly kind people seeing somebody stuck like that now for the sake of the fiver so there you go take it away you're fine um, and that's from David well done I don't know who that lady is and I don't know who the lady who is working in the self-service checkout in in Middleton and Super Value in Middleton all take a bow that really is and a great start to the weekend for David and you know what a great start to the weekend for the lady who handed the fiver because she's going to go away feeling she's done her She's done her bit of goodness as well. And karma is a great thing and that goodness will come back to her. David, what you now need to do is you need to pass on that kindness, uh, which I'm sure you'll do. Uh, and the rounding, the rounding only applies to the total, not the individual item in a shop, i.e. each item should not be rounded up. Yeah, and it's, it's people are surprised that it's in since uh, 2015. But again, we state it is voluntary. And just one on Bantry from Dan. says, hi, Patricia, on the Bantry, hospital issue. While no one can be surprised by the derisory and opaque statements by the HSE and the politicians, I feel that this is the first time we've seen the true cost-cutting nature of the Slointa care in that the plans include the, in inverted commas, reprofiling of Bantry Hospital. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Another one up on us by the Dublin A-team. Kind regards, says uh, Dan R. Yeah, I and so to care when you look at it. Care in the community looks fantastic, but you you often wonder when you dig down through it, what does it actually mean on the ground? And when people make decisions in Dublin, and you know, and they do it with the best of intentions, but do they really know what it's like to live in a very very rural area? They really they can be very out of touch, and I know they probably get very annoyed when we in rural Ireland, you know beat them with that stick every time and then we say, you know, come and live in rural Ireland. But it is true, decisions like that need to be made by people on the ground. That's why I'm taking great great hope from Jim Daly and his statement that it's Jerry O'Dwyer who's the head of the HSE in the South, that he's the one that will ultimately sign off and make the decision. And while this doctor in Dublin, in I think in Merrion Square, I found an address from him in Dublin, this Dr. Michael Power, that it's only his opinion that Bantry Hospital should be downgraded and that anyone on the ground knows that it can't possibly. So let's just keep our fingers crossed on that. Sheila in North Cork, or just on the the HSE and we're waiting to get clarity on, on have they any plans to change it to a Model 2 hospital? And I have a funny feeling they're going to come back and say, no, it was always a Model 2 hospital, it just acts up as a 
a level three hospital. Wait for it. That'll be the next one they'll come out with. Uh, John Paul spoke to the HSC press office and they're aware of our query and they're working uh, on it for us and will come back to us. OK, so it isn't as simple as a yes or no answer then. Sheila North Cork, this is on change and change that's given to people and are we being shortchanged? When you go into a shop these days, says Sheila, they often don't give you a receipt. You sometimes have to ask for the, for the receipt or else they'll say to you, do you want your receipt? One day I realised, says Sheila, that I was being over charged. I wouldn't have noticed I'd been overcharged only that I had my receipt. If I hadn't have been handed a receipt or if I didn't take a receipt I would have gone home and I would have had no proof that I had been overcharged. Also Sheila worries if you walk out of a shop without a, res- out a receipt you're not walking out with the items in your hand you've no proof that you actually paid for them. And on the one and two cent Sheila was in Dunn stores and they still give you back the one and two cent coins. Some people put them into a charity box while uh, others don't. Yeah, I think John Stores made the decision that they're not part of the rounding up and down. It's individual and individual stores do it, and Aldi do it. I don't know if Lidl do it. I think Tesco do it as well. But it's, it was it's individual choices, and as we mentioned, it was a vo- it's a voluntary code of practice whether you do or you don't. Uh, 1850 John Paul taking your calls we're going to take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone after these Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Are you looking for a serious music show? No, not that serious. With greatest hits from Rod Stewart. After but all, I am there to sing. Ed Sheeran. I think I make good music, but I make music that people like. Elton John. I had to make something happen at the piano, and so I went for it. They're the greatest hits I play. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And we're going to the movies with our movie reviewer Mark Malone. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. You're very welcome. Okay, you went to two movies this week. You went to the movie called 1917, and you also went with Playing with Fire. We've gone with 1917 for the trailer. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion? Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. You're good with maps, that's true? Good enough, sir. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, we will lose 1,600 men. storyline. I know, I'll fess up straight away. I'm a huge fan of World War One, World War Two movies. I, I don't know why I always have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about... World War One. Yeah, World War One. yeah. 1917, yeah. yeah. Um, I, t- I can tell you straight away now that this is one of the most extraordinary films I've ever seen. I mean, I was that blown away by it all. I mean, it is amazing. And I don't say that very often because uh, I sit through an awful lot of 
rubbish, uh, you know, year after year. Go You're to the very segment. good to us. You're Sometimes very good it's to very, very difficult to Does sit through something. Does it bring home the reality of how gruesome that war was? I think it was. I thought it's, it actually, it's very, very interesting. It's actually very little blood in the film. Okay. It, it, this is not Saving Private Ryan. So at yeah. no stage does director Sam Mendes kind of, uh, you know, want to obviously show that on screen because that's not what the film is all about. I think it is about war, but it's about heroism, really. And it's about the journey of these two men because they have to get to the, uh, go through, first of all, no man's land. They've also got then go through some of the German lines uh, lines to uh, warn a battalion that they are in, in, in danger of an ambush. And one of the two main protagonists here, uh, his brother, is uh, amongst that battalion that could be simply wiped out. Um, and so what Salmante has done here, is it's, it's, very, it's, it's, it's an interesting way in which he's decided to do the film. I mean, the film basically surrounds these two characters because it's all filmed as if it's all done in one take, which is extraordinary. And for, for the first 20 minutes, I was kind of trying to figure out how are they doing this? Where is the break? So I couldn't spot it. And then I kind of said to myself, look, stop trying to do that just and enjoy. just enjoy the film. And, and that's the way it's filmed. And so the, 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 the camera is constantly following uh, these two men as, they, as they, they battle their way to try and get to um, the men they've got to try and save. And it's extraordinarily filmed. I mean, Richard Deacons here is the cinematographer. And I've, I've very rarely actually do I notice the cinematography. But here constantly I did. And just being blown away by just how beautiful this film is. So therefore, the war seems to kind of surround them. And basically, what we kind of tend to do is to see the results of battles, but not in a kind of a really gruesome kind of a yeah, way. And, yeah. and um so you're going to see in the trenches, there'll be scenes inside in the trenches. Yeah, and what's extraordinary as well is that I was wondering just how much CGI they were using, but I couldn't spot too much. There is some CGI there, but actually most of it is very kind of filmed in a kind of an analogue way. And you've got, you know, with 500 extras a lot of the time, and they also built like a mile of trenches. And so if these cameras are following them as they're walking through the tr- trenches, and it doesn't seem to stop, and that's why, because they built so many trenches, well, because they're trying to make it as real as possible. And it's extraordinary to look at. I mean, it, and in fact, the director, I think, he didn't really want to. He didn't really want to make a kind of a, a war movie. He said he wanted to make a kind of a, a ticking clock kind of thriller, and that's almost kind of uh, what, what it's like. achieved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's extraordinary to look at. There, about an hour in, there's a scene and a sequence at night where there are flashlights, and it's. I just was blown away just how beautiful, funnily enough, ironically it was. It, it's just extraordinary to look at. I feel sorry for the kind of two main actors though, because what because the, at no stage is does does the well, first of all the film never stops. There's no close up in this film at all. So the two actors basically kind of are talking to each other constantly as they're on the move and the camera's always about 10 feet away from them. So it's very difficult for them to kind of put in kind of an Oscar winning performances. So unfortunately I don't think they will be winning too many awards for that and I felt sorry for them but they are both very very good. And Who are they? uh, Dean Charles Chapman and George Mackay are are their names and I don't really know know much of them. Uh, I I was also thinking that Sam Mendes is the only director who could get people like Colin Firth, Andrew Scott, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, just say about four lines between them in this yeah. whole film. And he could only attract stars to do that, you know. Uh, but again, it's not about stars. It's not like that. It's it's thrilling and it's moving and it's extraordinary. And I was blown away by it when it all finished. I just thought and this it, was And it has picked up a number of nominations. Well, it's won the Golden Globes for Best, yeah. best Director and Best... Um, and it's up for Best Film, I think, as well, isn't it? It is. When I saw The Irishman, I thought nothing will beat this. Uh, but I think... There this could, could be, be a surprise. There. I think. Yeah. I think Sam Mendes. I think uh, Roger Deakins, uh, cinematographer. I think the music, Thomas Newman soundtrack, is extraordinary as well. Just everything about it was uh, just amazing, and I was just blown away by the okay. whole thing. Okay, all right. It's called. It's simply called 1917. Mark it out of ten. Oh, ten. Whoa, ten out of ten. Okay, there you go. That's in the cinemas at the moment.
And then Playing With Fire is also in the cinemas at the moment where something completely different here. Yeah, I actually saw this before Christmas, but it's still in the cinemas. And, uh, you know, me and the teenager uh, were doing a bit, of, a bit of shopping and we decided, look, let's go see something that's really silly and kind of fun. Uh, well, you meant to be shopping. Uh, you got a lot Christmas of shopping, shopping done in the cinema. Go on. <laughs> so, well, the cinema was by the shops. Uh, so we decided to go and we decided to go and see Playing With Fire, which is still in the cinemas and, okay. uh, and is still doing really, really quite well. And it's a big, big, silly load of old nonsense. And I thought it was really, really entertaining. Not everybody has done, though. Most of the critics have been really, really critical for it, about it. But in fact, you know, the film had about a 30 million dollar budget and it's already it's grossed nearly 70 million. So it's, you know, it's done really well. It's one of those movies that, you know, just people just seem to like. And again, it's a family movie which is very, very silly. Um, but they've gone about it in a really, really nice and almost a kind of a, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it, there's nothing cynical about this at all. What they've tried to do is just make something that's really, really fun that all the family can go along and see. So it's basically about these kind of bunch of kind of very rugged kind of firefighters and uh, yeah, they're, you know, they're fighting a fire. They're fine, muscly men. They are. John Cena is one of them. And uh, John Cena, who's a very, very fun actor considering he's a wrestler. Yeah. Right, you know, and he's a terrific comic actor. And so they, they rescue these kids from this fire and once they're trying to reunite them with their parents they have to look after these kids so it's kind of and like where have their parents gone? Uh, their parents are missing because of the fire but oh, again, they're trying to contact okay. them and trying to reunite them and so you've got kind of you know this kind of fish out of water kind of a thing like three men and, and, and a little lady. lady yeah which was a terrific movie back in the day yeah exactly yeah so the kids are just these rambunctious kind of crazy kids and of course they just tear the whole place apart as these men who have no idea how to look after kids have got to basically learn to become kind of a gentle kind of human beings um, you've also got Keane and uh, Michael Key, uh, Key is in it John Leguizamo who are two fine uh, comedy actors but mind you Keegan-Michael Key it just seems to be in a completely different from anybody else because he's just overacting and gurning his way through the whole thing it's almost like the director went fine if that's what you're going to do just go and do it and he's having great fun and you know sure a lot of the set pieces are silly and we've seen a lot of them before it reminded me actually do you remember the film Roxanne with um with uh, Steve Martin yeah yeah uh, he, yeah he too was yeah. a fire chief in that yeah he so, was yeah. so a lot of the sequences with the fire hose and all of that the, yeah. they're all here as well as they these kids just tear apart uh, you know this um, the, 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 the whole um, firefighters uh, station I just thought it was fun you know and I loved you it. laughed I did and so did the teenager and we, we laughed a lot and I love being in the cinema with a bunch of kids because yeah. just them having a great time and I, I always think it's funny when the adults in the movie start talking you know it's amazing that the noise level of the kids kind of raises because yeah. they're just waiting for the next kind of action sequence that's got a really really cute dog in it as well of course you can't go wrong with that look yeah it's nonsense it's but it's a bit of fun if you take it too seriously yeah you won't really enjoy it but I thought it was alright yeah because know. this is a rainy afternoon over the weekend and you want to do something for that and I like the idea that the whole family can go that the adults can enjoy it as much exactly. as the kids exactly. okay so it's called Playing With Fire and it is in the cinemas Mark out of 10 I'll give it 8 8 out of 10 8 out of 10 actually the other night on, t- on TV and I was just you know flicking around before I went to bed I ended up putting a tape on it my left foot came came up it's a great movie I haven't seen it since it's come out oh yeah, well time, I mean yeah. you know I mean it's a very old movie when yeah. you watch it but you just from an acting point of view yeah got Brenda Fricker because she won the Oscar of course for that she did and well deserved and well deserved and Dan DeLuce yeah it's yeah, fabulous fabulous it's, well it's just it's looking at it 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How old it is? You just think, oh, you know, at the time we went to the cinema and thought this was a big movie. Yeah. It's just so old looking now, but it's still a great movie. It's about 30 years. Yeah. 30 I, years ago. It's I a great saw it in the cinema when it came out. I haven't seen it since then. Oh, yeah, thank you for that. We'll talk to you again next, next week. That's okay. Mark Malone, our movie review. This is the Court Today replay on C103. I don't know if anybody took time out to watch uh, the programme last night on TV uh, where the Liskinet uh, uh, horse, uh, the farm, Liskinet farm, uh, was uh, featured. It's part of St. Joseph's uh, Foundation. It was on Ear to the Ground. I was trying to think of the programme. Ear to the Ground uh, last night. It was absolutely fantastic to see Liskinet in action. It was the centre that has been built. It, uh, it's home to 25 horses uh, and it's got 14 full-time residents, people with autism living there. It was established five years ago by St. Joseph's uh, Foundation and congratulations to the farm manager, David Doyle. He featured on the programme last night along with the chairman of St. Joseph's Foundation, uh, Eamon McCarthy. But it just showed Liskinet at its very, very best and and shows that what you can do with people with autism, as David Doyle said, doesn't cure autism, but it certainly makes a difference in their lives. So continued good luck to everybody in Liskinet uh, and everybody involved with St. Joseph's Foundation in uh, Charleville. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday evening, the West Cork Sports Awards will take place at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. Now, the awards are run in conjunction with the Celtic Ross Hotel, C103 and the Southern Star newspaper. A banquet will host all the award winners over 2019 and then from 6 o'clock tomorrow the C103 across West Cork you can join 
John Paul McNamara as he chats to some of the award recipients and samples the atmosphere of the event live from the Celtic Ross in Roscarby. That's the West Cork Sports Awards live uh, tomorrow evening and you can catch it on C103 in West Cork. North Cork will continue as normal with, and East Cork with their country music but six o'clock if you are in West Cork and can I just wish the best of luck to everybody taking part in that and good luck to John Paul with that programme which is on from six o'clock tomorrow night. Now also a quick mention to Mitchellstown Operation Transformation. They are having, they've teamed up with the Mitchellstown Walking Club and starting from next week 7pm at the Leisure Centre they're going to be out for eight nights Tuesdays and Thursdays doing 2k and 5k walks. Everybody's welcome to come along. Wednesday there is a free gym class and that will go on right up to the final day which will be the 14th of March just in time for St. Patrick's Day. You can register at MLC in Mitchellstown. There's a senior tone-up over 60s class also happening on Wednesdays between 7 and uh, 8. Good luck to everybody there. Now Nick Richards is up next with Feel Good Friday with these tunes. Okay, and that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. And can I thank everybody who's contributed to the programme? We've had a really, really busy show this week. We appreciate everybody taking time out to either call us, uh, to text us, or people who took time out to email, email us. Still have nothing back from the HSC on Bantry Hospital, so we'll pick up probably where we left off today uh, by referring to this story on Monday. Uh, so we'll be back with you on Monday morning at... Nine at uh, 10 o'clock we look forward to your company but in the meantime if you want to contact us during the weekend uh, feel free to email patricia at c103.ie until Monday at 10, 10 thanks to John Paul uh, talk to you on Monday Court Today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get 7 day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie so you've got a smartphone or tablet download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.